All right. Hey, good evening, Grace Point. Uh, welcome back to Thursday Night Teaching. As you know, going through the book of Matthew, we got through chapter 11. We're moving on to chapter 12. It's exciting. Uh, so much in here. And, you know, I want to kind of warn you, I, I am going to repeat topics and themes, but I'm not going into great detail all the time on every topic and theme. So hopefully as we go through, you'll see the repetitions. I'll be referencing stuff we've already taught. I'll be kind of pointing to stuff we're going to go to in the future. But if you listen to everything, some of it's a reminder, but I think it'll really help you to kind of build layer upon layer as we go through here. So Father, I do pray that you open the eyes of our heart, the eyes of our understanding, and grant us the spirit of enlightenment in him, in Christ, Lord. We know the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance, Lord, in us, and the power available, Lord, the authority of the believer. And Lord, help me to teach clearly and powerfully as I ought to, in Jesus' name. So let's move on over into Matthew 12. We'll read that a little bit and talk about it. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath. Now, isn't it interesting? Bear this in mind. He's on the Sabbath. What did Matthew just write about at the end of chapter 11? We, we taught on it last week. He talked about entering into rest. And when you think of rest, it's often in a biblical sense, in a Jew, Jewish sense, it's a Sabbath rest. So Jesus has become or is becoming the Jewish people's Sabbath rest, and really the Gentiles too, but he's become our Sabbath rest. And so immediately, it's not a coincidence that Matthew talks about rest and then he talks about the Sabbath. Understand that when Matthew wrote this, there was no chapter and verses like we have uh, now. That stuff all came around way later. There was, uh, you know, someone uh, much later wrote down chapters and verses. This is all one thought. So Matthew's talking about entering into rest, and then he starts talking about the Sabbath. Why? Because it all ties in. Jesus is our Sabbath, and now Jesus is going to talk about the Sabbath. Here we go. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath, the Sabbath day through the corn, and his disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck the ears of corn to eat. Now the Pharisees saw it. And they said, look, your disciples are breaking the law on the Sabbath. And he said, haven't you read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him, how they entered the house of God and they ate the showbread, which was not lawful to eat, neither for them or for those that were with them, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath day the priest in the temple breaks the Sabbath and are innocent? And I say to you that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what it meant, I want mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now this is power-packed. You know, one of the things I've grappled with here, you know, did they really, were they really that hungry where they had to break the Sabbath and uh, get food? They weren't starving. Like David, when he broke, they were hungry. They were out fleeing and warring and on the run. His men were truly hungry. And so they broke this principle of eating the sanctified bread, didn't they? 
But Jesus' disciples weren't starving to death. They didn't have to pluck that. Um, so I think there's kind of a transition. You know, remember we talked about how the law and the prophets prophesied until John the Baptist, and since then the kingdom of God was being preached, and people were pressing into it. We're almost in these in-between times where the law is being fulfilled. We're going to move into the age of grace. And literally, in the kingdom of God, um, there is not one day that's set apart as more holy than another. Paul talks about that in Romans 14. Jesus literally becomes our Sabbath. And he reinterprets the Sabbath. He is our rest. Just like he reinterpreted you know, the dietary laws that you're now allowed to eat bacon. You can eat pig now. He, he, he reinterpreted the the eating laws or the ceremonial laws too and what they could, the dietary laws. They didn't have to eat this, but they did. And Jesus defended them and said, hey, leave them alone. They're hungry. You know, <laughs> they're, they're not breaking God's moral law in any way. And he gives them some examples in the Old Testament. And what he's teaching them was the Sabbath was truly made to benefit man. Man wasn't made for the Sabbath. But you know, in the Old Testament, under the law, there was a guy that picked up sticks on the Sabbath, and they stoned him. So I, I always try to, why is it, Lord, why did they stone that guy under the law, that tight-fisted law, and yet David broke the Sabbath, Jesus' uh, apostles broke the Sabbath, and yet that guy, I think when that happened under the law, they were just showing like the righteousness of God could not be compromised. If you were going to live by the law, you had to obey it by the letter, right? But here with David, there was more grace. And here with the apostles, they're really starting to walk under the grace of God. They're walking under the direct authority of Jesus. David was actually a messianic figure, and he had authority, and his followers were operating under his kingly authority, his anointing. And Jesus' followers are walking under his anointing and his messianic authority. Jesus is the interpreter of law, and he's saying, it's okay. They can eat this uh, grain on the Sabbath. Jesus rightly interprets the law. Why? He says, because if you knew the heart of God, what God really wants is mercy and not sacrifice. You would not condemn the innocent if you knew what God really wants. And since I'm God in the flesh, I know what God really wants. Guys, it's okay. They can eat the grain. Back off. That's what he's telling them. So it's, it's really cool. And then Jesus says something that's quite incredible here. I wonder that they don't try to stone him because he says, but I say unto you. Remember when I taught on that uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, how Jesus kept saying, I say unto you, I say unto you, I say unto you. Jesus is preaching with authority. He interprets Scripture. He really is reinterpreting the law of Moses, or he's interpreting it, uh, coming into the kingdom age, coming into the age of grace. Jesus is interp uh, interpreting the law properly uh, through eyes of mercy, through eyes of grace. He's interpreting it. And he is saying, I have more authority. Get this. I have more authority, remember, than Moses. I have more authority than the prophets. I am the son of God. I am the Messiah. I am the mescaline. I am the interpreter of scripture. And he says that in this place, 
There is somebody greater than the temple. Now, that's amazing. It is a wonder they did, that they didn't try to stone him. Jesus is saying, I'm greater. I'm greater than Moses. I'm greater than John the Baptist. I'm greater than the priesthood. I'm greater than the prophets. I'm greater than Solomon. And he says, I say unto you, I say unto you, I say unto you. Jesus is really not making a secret of it. Hey, boys, I'm greater than the temple. I am the proper interpreter of scriptures. You better listen to me. If you knew who was here, you wouldn't condemn innocent people because I want mercy, not sacrifice. He was, I mean, these Pharisees, they didn't like Jesus. They were jealous of him. They didn't like what he was saying. They didn't like what he was claiming. If you read the Gospel of John, you see that Jesus doesn't just say, I say unto you. Over and over again, he says, I am. I am the door of the sheep. I am the great shepherd. I am the bread of life. And then finally, you know, I am that I am. There's somebody powerful here. The kingdom of God is truly present, and it's present in the king, Jesus. And then when he departed there, he went into the synagogue, and there was a man with a withered hand, and he said, um, and uh, they asked him, saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So we go right back to this thing. Hey, this guy has a withered hand. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And he says, listen, guys, what man among you, if you had a sheep fall into a pit, wouldn't pull it out on the Sabbath? Aren't men more important than sheep? Isn't it lawful to do well on the Sabbath? And he said, stretch forth your hand. And he stretched it forth, and it was made whole as the other. And the Pharisees went out, and they held counsel against, get this, they held counsel against him how they might destroy him. Do you see their heart? If they had a sheep, they would pull that sheep out of a pit. But they don't want this guy healed on the Sabbath. Isn't that incredible? So much so that Jesus brings healing and they want to destroy Jesus, murder him, which they will murder him, which is a far greater sin than healing on the Sabbath. In fact, Jesus says, this is powerful. Some people talk about healing, whether it's for day and these things. Jesus called healing doing good. Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Didn't say making someone sick was good. He said healing was good. Everywhere he went, he was doing good. Acts 10, 38, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So Jesus is going to do good. They're not interpreting, interpreting the scriptures properly. They're not walking in the love of God. They're not walking in the light of God, so much so that they're going to murder Jesus. And here Jesus is, the Son of God, the correct interpreter of Scripture, full of mercy, full of healing, full of grace, bringing the messianic kingdom, and they are rejecting him. And because of that, they are going to be judged. We'll just end right there, and we'll pick up there next week.